It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the afternoon here on AusBiz. Great to have your company for the call. Uh, live from our Brangaroo studios, uh, 10 stocks that you've asked me to put to our expert panel. We do it all in one hour, and I throw in a stock of the day. Let's get stuck straight into it. One of my favourite teams on the panel today, Michael Wayne from Medallion Financial. Michael, how are you? Good I'm good, Koshi. Good. Carl Kapalinga from Think Markets in the West. Carl, how's it going? Very well, thanks, Koshi. Good morning to everybody over here in WA. Good afternoon to everybody else. Yep, yeah, in the rest of the world. In the rest uh, of the world. Yeah, yeah, uh, outside of WA. But the uh, reason why I like these two is they're very different uh, views on investing, which is, uh, which is terrific. So the blend of advice, I reckon, is absolutely perfect. Now, I want to get straight into it because we always run out of time with these two. So let's look at the uh, the first five stocks that we're going to look at in this half hour. Uh, Pointera, Pacific Current, Patriot Battery Metals, Fortescue and Develop Global. Stock of the day, um, AGL Energy. Shares are suffering after a Macquarie note, which said uh, financial year 24 is likely to be peak electricity pricing, thus challenging its ability to sustain FY24 earnings into financial year 25. Macquarie downgraded the company to neutral from outperform. Uh, target price $11.43. It's still well above that at the moment. Um, Carl, um, AGL has been flying, hasn't it, as a, as a stock. And Macquarie's yep. come and been, been the party pooper. They are wowzers, aren't they? What a beautiful chart it was. It's yes. still, it, it still is, largely. Uh, but this, uh, gosh, I've been on, um, you know, I do my regular uh, Friday yep. spots and I do uh, every other Wednesday, I do the trade with Kyle. And this has been a regular chart that I've been putting in front of Osby's viewers as a buy. And I think a few weeks ago, may, well, it might have been about, maybe four weeks ago, I said, it's challenging. I deliberately wanted to put it in on whatever day that was to say, to challenge viewers to buy something that is just oh my god almost going up vertically i think that was around the 11 dollar mark um, yep. at the time uh look it's been if you follow me on twitter it's been my most featured chart uh one two three four five times uh since may okay yep. so so yeah that that's pretty impressive um stocks you know we'll, we'll go in and out of that list but to be consistently in my uh, at least that many times is impressive. Uh, we started buying at around about that 8.50, again at nine, and then a little bit higher. But it's just this idea when you do find a chart that is starting to build like this of adding to a winning trade. Most people feel that they need to be all in. So I'm, I'm going to buy this. It's going to be the best. And when it goes up and, uh, you know, 10 times, I'm going to sell it. I think you're kind of then uh, pegging yourself 
uh, to, to the price more. What what I prefer to do is if I see something going up, I buy a little bit of it. I mean, I'd like to get in yeah. in thirds. So if I normally invest $1,000, divide it by three, I'll buy that amount to start off with. And if it goes down, okay, well, not the end of the world, I only bought a bit of it. If it starts to go up, then I'll add some and I'll add some. There's no real limit to how much I can add. So if you get those exponential moves like this, you can make a great deal of money. Um, this, this uh, Today, this move, so just talking purely from a technical standpoint, I don't care what Macquarie Bank, Bank had to state. Honestly, I have no interest in their, their comments. Um, but from a purely technical standpoint, what it does is it changes the demand-supply dynamics. And we have seen supply come into the market. And that's when I start to, well, bookends, the buying, start to get out of it. And I won't get out of this all at once. And um, for the people that listen to me in my, my webinars or follow me on Twitter, we'll be talking about getting out of a third of what we have. So if you, um, let's say just use shares. So if I bought three shares, three shares, three shares up to this point, and I've got 12 shares, I'm going to exit a third of that, which is now four shares, if that makes any sense. Yep. If I get another exit signal, I'll exit a third of what I've got left. And eventually you'll have to round to the last share that you've got to get out. So it's this staged entry and staged exit, which allows you to hang on to the trends as long as possible, but also to take profits as you go. So anyway, that's my philosophy. I'd be exiting one third of my position today based upon the chart. Okay, and on the chart, when you when would you exit, uh, exit the next third? Uh, good question. It's going to depend largely on how the price action evolves from here. Yep. So we've got a peak on the chart. What Macquarie has done is created a peak, a point of supply. I'll be watching the price action. If I get another point of supply that's lower than the first one, by definition, we have to have building supply in the market. We've gone from a phase of building demand. If we are transitioning now to a phase of building supply, I'll get out the next third. Right. And you have to imagine, uh, use your imagination. If you've got two mountains, let's imagine you're in the Swiss Alps, Koshi. If you've got two peaks, what must be between those two peaks? Yep, the valley. A valley, a valley, yep. right? So that's your next exit. Uh, when it breaks through the valley, we are now completing the pattern and then I'm all out and looking for the next opportunity. Okay, all right. Are you yodeling in the Swiss Alps about AGL, Michael? <laughs> it is actually one that we were looking into. Um, <laughs> We didn't buy it and we missed out on this sort of recovery, right. but it's very much a fallen blue chip. It was sort of peaking around almost $30 there at one point, oh, yeah. fell to very low levels. And then the ESG came That's in and the whole Brooks and all that splitting yeah. up the business. But the reality is it's a company on a very low multiple. I think even now it's about nine or 10 times earnings and the earnings trajectory is picking up a lot. Right. Um, so that's always a sort of attractive dynamic. So if you get a good chart, you get a business that's sort of appearing to turn the corner, yep. low valuation, strong earnings growth, then it does seem relatively attractive. However, we haven't pulled the trigger um, just because we are a little bit concerned about this whole peak energy prices that Macquarie right. does raise. It's just- Which is good for us consumers. Well, this is the thing. They've, <laughs> they've kind of, at the, so AGL's made a bit of a comeback because energy prices have been very, very high. They've yeah. been able to expand their margins. Which has also, fed into inflation. Yeah. And, and the coal price has been coming down a lot yes. as well. So they've been able to maintain these margins and that's why they've been able to upgrade recently um, this financial year's earnings and also their next year's expectations. and improving the yields. That's, that's right. Not to a point of gouging. I mean, they're, they're look, they're, <laughs> they're a business um, that's trying to make hay um, during All a right, good period. We're talking from an investor and shareholder point of view, so. Yeah, that's it. So like fine. they had a very tough couple of years right. and they've managed to sort of come out of that in a much stronger position. Yep. 
They have reduced their payout ratio for dividends from about 75%. Now they're gonna only pay out between 50 and 70%, which will mm. allow them to conserve more capital, improve their balance sheet, but also then look to pick up different assets or diversify right. their energy production assets. Look, I'm gonna go a hold on this um, for the moment, um, but I can see, like if it starts to pick up again and some buying comes in like Carl sort of indicates, and I can see it being a, a bit of a trading buy, that's for sure. Right, okay. All right, let's get into the stocks that you want us to have a look at. And first up, uh, Philip wants a view on Pointera, the, uh, the 3D spatial data technology group. Um, Philip says, bad last fourth quarter, but next year it might be a bumper. Um, Michael, are you expecting a bumper from Pointera? This business was a much-loved sort of emerging, yeah, it? darling. It really was trending very nicely there for so long. But as many of these sort of tech businesses um, encountered last year, they came back a long, long way. Yeah. I think at one point they were trading on 50 times revenue. Um, they were briefly cash yeah, we flow should point positive. Out, not, earnings. <laughs> not earnings. That's not a revenue. mistake from you. Then it was revenues, which that's was right. Um, a bit weird. So then they, they've come back a long way. Essentially, there was a, a bit of a decent update recently um, whereby they've signed some contract with a large company out of the US, one of those So that's Fortune a reason for the spike there on the right? That's right. So there's a lot of optimism coming in off the back of that, um, which has sort of breathed some life into the share price. Their cash position is actually quite terrible at the moment. They've only got, I think, from a quick read of their quarterly updates, about $1.5 million in cash on their balance sheet and they've been negative cash flow the last few quarters, but I think that's expected to turn positive again, which should provide a bit of respite there, but it's definitely something to keep an eye on. Um, it's, look, great technology. I mean, their website looks impressive and they show you some of these 3D images that they are able to create and whether that be a mine, whether that be a bridge, a toll road, or yeah. in the case of this new contract, a series of infrastructure assets like electricity poles and wires, etc. Um, they look very, very good and allows sort of real-time decision-making and better decision-making based on AI to some extent as well. Uh, however, it's still very expensive. Its cash position is still quite average right. and they've gone back to negative cash flow positivity or negative cash flow, so not positive. So for mine, I'm going to go a hold. Okay. Uh, it's been beaten up a lot and there's a good <coughs> theme there, but I'm not game enough to give it a buy. It's still a very high okay. risk technology company. But if you're in it, this if far, you've ridden it this it far down, this positive update could be the impetus for some more demand to come back into the price, but okay. it's been trending pretty poorly for a while. Okay. Uh, Carl, what do you reckon? I agree with Michael. I think it's a hold, a speculative hold, if that makes any sense, uh, compared to say speculative buy. I don't think it's a buy yet. It's something I could buy, though, if it starts to... Um, it's kind of the opposite of AGL. So, in fact, it is the opposite of AGL. If we put the, the chart up, uh, you know, AGL was bottom left, top right. This one is top left, bottom right. And yep. for viewers, that's that's the chart you don't want to have. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, but it's it's you'd see the last little blip there. Uh, its blip up is equivalent to AGL's blip down, if you get what I mean. And remember what I said for AGL. I'm waiting for a, a lower uh, point of supply, uh, and then a break of the valley. Okay. Well. We're still in the Swiss Alps. Imagine that we've got now a, a valley. Okay, um, I'm waiting for a second valley with a higher, you know, higher low, and then between that, we're going to have a neckline. It doesn't make sense to break above the top of a mountain, but that's effectively what we'd be waiting for. So 
I think you can hold it. I agree with everything Michael said in terms of the fundamentals. They certainly got a cash flow issue, but that's looking to rectify itself because of their big deal. It's uh, Florida, Florida Power and Light, some of the big um, uh, energy utilities over there in the US. And uh, what uh, Pontario allows you to do is it, uh, this this idea of digital twin. So you've got the photo, uh, the digital photo from last week, you've got the digital photo from this week, and it uses AI to compare the two to tell you if a pole's fallen over, and then you can go out and service that pole. So it's a really ne uh, neat piece of um, kit. Uh, it's $120 million worth of revenue here, Koshi, on this deal mm. for a company that was uh, had a market cap of only about $40 million not that long ago. Wow. Um, it's obviously, you know, it's, it's roughly doubled since then. So look, it, it's something I'm very interested in. I can't buy it because the chart's not good enough yet, but I've given viewers the idea of the pattern that I yep. need to see before I get in. In the okay. meantime, happy. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and keep following it. Um, yep. Roger wants to view uh, Carl on Pacific Current. Now, Roger says currently holding... Pacific Current, purchased around the mid $6 range. Um, with the current takeover offer, the share price has shot up to around 10.50-ish. So wondering um, whether to take profits now or hold on for a competing bid um, that could be coming soon. Um, Pacific mm. Current is a, like a uh, multi-boutique asset management, so a fund manager, but manages um, other, uh, other managers around the world um, make the decision making on their portfolios. Yeah, they kind of invest in the investors. They yep. invest in the boutique fund managers and uh, provide them with capital to to uh, invest and grow their business. And it's interesting. One of their um, uh, their holdings is this GQG. So it's they kind of own a bit of GQG. And GQG must have uh, through that relationship realised that there's a pretty good model going here from Backcurrent and then um, decided to take them over, if that makes any sense mm. at all. So GQG are, are a US boutique fund manager. Um, I couldn't find any details as to what the value was of the offer. Um, as far as I know, it's they're still working it out, GQG, and they're about to present it. It's an indicative proposal at this time. Uh, Michael might have seen something I didn't. Um, but in these situations, putting aside like it's the underlying fundamentals, I mean, A, the chart's going to look amazing because it's it's going vertically up. Um, so on that basis, I think uh, for me, I'd be a holder. I'd hold at least some of it. You have the option of taking a little bit off the table. And I've given viewers the idea of taking a third off the table to kind of pay back most of your investment and then hold on and see how you go with the two thirds. The risk, of course, is that it, it's only very indicative, this offer. They pull the offer and you're trading back down to where you were. And in that case, you're probably pretty glad you took a third off the table. So uh, that would be me. Take a third and then hold on to the other two thirds. Michael? Yeah, so interesting business, similar to, to Pinnacle Investments in some way. Um, they're not fund managers themselves, but they just own a portion of various different fund managers based in Australia, overseas, etc. So the fund managers in total manage about 200 billion Aussie, of which... You know the ownership of which Pacific Current probably owns about 14 mil of that, right. um, the equivalent in those fund managers. So there's some names you'd be oh, familiar with. That's not a heap though, is it? Well, yeah, it's 14 bill. It's still it's worth market cap's about 500 mil now. Was right. about 350 before this offer. Um, they own sort of stakes in GQG Partners. They own stakes in Rock Partners, for instance. So these are pretty well known different fund managers. The reason they've had that big jump in share price is actually Regal Partners has tendered an offer for Pacific Current, yep. um, which equates to about $10.77 a share. And there's two components to that offer. There's a cash component of $7.50, 
And then there's also a component where you'll receive um, GQG shares. Um, right. So yeah, 2.2 shares in the ASX listed um, GQG. Mm. So that's how I think GQG is tied into this because Pacific Current owns a big stake of GQG. Once Regal then takes this over, they're gonna end up with cash and shares. Right. It's, um, look, it's a big, uh, premium to where the shares were trading was trading at about 13 14 times earnings the offers closer to about 19 times earnings um, so it's i look unless the deal falls over this is a very good price you're going to get the question is as an investor whether you want to take that risk of the deal falling over or not so typically what we would tend to advise people to do is to consider selling a portion maybe take half off the table retain so you go half because yep. you've got to think like, what are the chances of someone else coming in over the top yep. with a substantially higher offer? For businesses such as this, which are probably more conventional in nature, not you know, hyped up tech businesses, it's unlikely there's going to be too many other players out there that are going to come in substantially over the top. So it probably makes sense to try and lock some of that profit in now. It's not a bad business model at all if the business was to continue on its own. They not only get you know percentage of performance fees, Performance, uh, percentage of revenue, percentage of earnings. They also get commissions from distributing and selling um, these funds. So yeah, so basically um, I would be looking to take at least half off the table given half the off. offer that's on okay. the table. So uh, I'm gonna Carl's go on a hold, a portion, but it's, I'm gonna go a sell. Half. I'll go a sell, but take half off the table, yeah, retain yeah. some. Sure, okay, so both agree it's just a matter of mm -hmm. uh, percentage there. Uh, the here, uh, Michael wants a view on uh, Patriot Battery Metals. For here says, recently subjected to a short attack, came under, came out with a maiden mineral resource estimate, disproving the short report. Usually, such a stellar announcement of the maiden MRE, the share price would jump, but PMT has fallen. What am I missing? So, um, Patriot Battery Metals, uh, an explorer. Um, has the, the Corvette property in, um, in Quebec um, and a few others in, uh, in the United States, uh, lithium as well. Michael, what, what's uh, the here missing on Patriot Metals? Yeah, look, it seems to be a pretty good business with a very big asset. Um, so located in the James Bay region in Quebec, Canada. Yeah. It is meant to be the largest lithium resource in America and the eighth biggest in the world. They've obviously then got to be able to develop those resources. But one of the people who are involved is a, a, a man called Ken Brigson. Um, and he, people who own uh, Pilbara Minerals would probably be quite familiar with Ken. He helped oh. Pilbara through the various stages of their progression from an explorer mm. to a producer. Oh, that's a good pedigree. So it's a good pedigree, a good person to have on board. There has been a little bit of um, delay, I suppose, in that part of the world with the wildfires that have been going on in Canada, but that's all pretty transitory stuff. The question now is, you know, can they develop the resource? And they've recently taken a big investment from Abermile as well in the US. So there's a lot to like from the, about this. It's just whether or not they can develop the resource, get into production just in time to take advantage yeah. of the high lithium price. And that's always the big if. Um, but it's a more of a speculative play in the mining space compared to Alchem and Pilbara. Um, but it seems like it's got a lot going for it. It's not typically the sort of thing we invest in because it's high risk. Um, but I'm happy to go a hold on it because right. if they can pull it off, there'll probably be a lot of upside. Okay. Uh, Carl, what do you think of, uh, of Patriot Battery Metals and what's for here missing here? <laughs> 
I don't know. I don't know. I don't know anything, Koshi. And that's, you know, I, I've wrapped myself in that warm blanket every day. I wake up and I have no idea what's going on, uh, macro or micro or otherwise. Uh, and if you can start the day on that basis, uh, you can actually sort of just just follow the trends and just go where the trends take you and not try and think too much about things. Uh, I don't think you want to overthink this one. It's a, it's a, uh, it's got, trying to get to a, a point where it understands. I mean, they've got their maiden uh, mineral uh, resource estimate there, but it's so early along the, the, the stage. I mean, we need right. a pre-feasibility study. We need a definitive feasibility study. We need a final investment decision. We need to break, you know, order, order, um, you know, the equipment. We need to get somebody to construct the mine. We need to start digging. We need to start producing. I mean, they are years away from right. that, and they're you know sporting a one point eight billion dollar market capitalization. What is working in their favour? I mean, compare that to say Linetown Resources, which is now producing out of Kathleen Valley, a six billion dollar. Okay, so there's mm. what you're hoping is to capture that that difference over a period of time, uh, a four billion dollar bump up, which takes its share price up uh, triple, uh, well, three times what it is today. Hey, is that possible? It's possible. But what are the risks involved in getting there? Um, and that's why the market's pricing it where it is. It's it's not pricing it like Liontown. In terms of um, the deposits, very interesting. I mean, Canada, great jurisdiction. Uh, we've had so many other companies, not just lithium, but other companies having problems uh, in other jurisdictions uh, where governments have said, well, you know, we'd like a bit more of the um, of the action here. Um, so I think that's definitely going for it. It is a very high grade deposit. Uh, it is also very large, uh, one top 10 sort of in the world. Um, and it's close to infrastructure. It's uh, still very much uh, an open book in terms of exploration activities and potential upsides. So I'm just finding all the positives um, and the negatives would be it's still very early on. Uh, and then we go to the chart. So I can't give you a valuation. That's impossible. Go to the chart. The chart's very sideways. Um, in t- you know, It's had a great run. It's having a pullback. I think you can hold some. I wouldn't be holding uh, a full risk position. Um, so like I said at the start of this, whatever your usual risk position is. For me, I think you've got one third in and that one third goes out the door. I'll give you a number on a close beneath 140. Okay, right. so beneath 140, that one third's out the door and I'm looking on for other opportunities. If you don't have it, I need it to close above 183 to start to get involved. Until then, right. you know, holding a partial position. Okay, all right, that gives you some... Uh... Uh, some good prices there. I'll make a note of that in my, my little blue book here uh, and follow it. Um, thank you for here. Um, now, Graham uh, wants a view, Carl, on a resource stock that is producing mm. at the moment and it's uh, producing a bucket load of iron ore, Fortescue Metals, uh, our <laughs> biggest pure play, you would say, iron ore uh, exporter. Yes, uh, a, a, an amazing, a fantastic WA company, uh, employs a lot of uh, good people over here and uh, run by uh, the honorary number one ticket holder for WA, I think, uh, Mr. Mr. Twiggy Forrest. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, but, in, in partnership with Nicola, who... Um, yes, now. Uh, well, she, she'll be number two by two, default. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but look, an interesting um, company. It's the, the big, you know, you've you've got all you've got this great stalwart uh, iron ore operation, which is now uh, rather quite lean and mean, um, operationally very efficient. Um, the last quarterly update showed they are really doing quite well. Uh, then you've got some 
not so great things in terms of, well, there are a few question marks over the iron ore price. They have increased uh, or guidance for CapEx. So it's still a really highly capital intensive operation uh, to get to the point where it's nice and reliable and you're just sending stuff over to China and, and making a great whack of margin while you're doing it. Uh, and then comparing this to, say, BHP Rio, and they're, they're probably you know, you're choosing between the three in your portfolio, perhaps. You know, you don't, it's, it's a pure iron ore play, BHP and Rio are more diversified. Um, and then you've got the question mark over uh, Fortescue Future Industries, which, uh, I don't know, might be amazing or co- a complete waste of money. Uh, so, look, if you're interested in iron ore, I'm not sure if this is the one you want to go. I think maybe look to, to BHP or Rio. Uh, Rio is my pick of those two, very much so. I'd really like Rio at the moment uh, on, the, on the technicals. Um, but I don't, I don't hate Fortescue. Look, if you've got it, I'd hold, I'd hold it. Um, okay. I don't know if I'm a buyer right now, but hey, I'll give you a level if it, again because it doesn't matter what I think, Koshi. I mean, I, I could, I don't think Fortescue's valuation is great. I don't like it compared to BHP and Rio, but I'd, I'd happily buy it if it starts to move up towards say 23, 20, uh, 23, 23, 50 with some nice white candles. I'd happily add it to a portfolio. Right. Until then, hold. Okay, so I, I was going to ask with metal prices the way they are at the moment. Do you now shift towards may away from pure play into uh, these resource stocks into uh, miners that do have a portfolio? Like you say, BHP, well, BHP got out of their oil, of course, but they have iron ore, they've got potash, they've got big uranium, big lithium, or mineral resources, which is lithium and iron ore the same. Do you go for... For, or prefer portfolios rather than pure flows? Well, it depends on the prices of the underlying commodities. I mean, if, if iron ore is the big thing that everybody's going for, then you want to be in Fortescue over the other ones. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's a risk-reward sort of scenario, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's the oldest um, question in the book. Do I go for a pure play if I think the commodity's going up, or do I go for something more diversified and therefore, you know, protect your risk, risk around? Yeah. yeah, look, um, I, I go on a case-by-case basis, right. actually. I mean, I look okay. at the charts. If the charts look good, I'm happy to buy. Um, the big question for maybe Michael can elaborate on this, but, uh, you know, China, China stimulus, the numbers haven't been good so far. And there's this great big promise of stimulus. We haven't seen a great deal up to this point, but I do think we'll get something. I do think yeah. we'll get something meaningful in the not-so-distant okay. future. Michael, the problem with the China stimulus is everyone thinks it's going to be the traditional China mm. stimulus, uh, which will be into property, into steel, into infrastructure. Well, they've, they've oversupplied infrastructure and property. And my understanding is that uh, the stimulus is going to be almost financial and services rather than building stuff. It's protecting property developers from going bust. It's yeah. uh, stimulating small business. It's, it's not going into feeding steel mills. And that's what's been the difference yeah. so far that many people have sort of picked up on. And who knows, if things get really dire, they might be forced to, to go back ramp to that up, old school up, and yeah. ramp it all back yeah. up. But they're very cautious on where the housing market is. They don't want to just keep building more and more no. of these buildings just for the sake of it to stimulate for a short period of time and to create problems later on. But anyway, looking at Fortescue Metals more specifically, um, it's got you know, lower margins than BHP, Rio, Vale. It does sit pretty nicely on the cost curve, but you're starting to see the cost curve flatten across the industry in, in recent years, right. which sort of erodes Fortescue's Because it, it, it sells position. cheap, lesser quality yeah, iron ore than the other. Yeah, slightly quality, like, which doesn't yeah. seem to get the same price. And the prices do actually vary a little bit in how they yeah. move for the different types of iron ore. Um, 
Look, the business is doing completely fine. There's nothing really you know, that it's doing wrong. In fact, it's cost- massive dividends. Dividends have been very good in, in recent years. I mean, 2021, you had the iron ore price at around $220 a tonne. Last year, it came down, the average price. So, you know, the earnings came down. The first half of this year, it fell again. So like, you're just seeing that natural you know, variation in commodity prices affect the business. However, what's, although they got their cost down for last year, and I think for the first half of this year, they're expecting a big pickup in CapEx next year, which is gonna erode its free cash flow considerably, um, and therefore likely to only see dividend yields around four or 5%, which is right. actually a lot lower than people have become used to. So that's always something to keep in mind with these commodity companies. When things are going really well, they're spinning out a lot of free cash flow, the dividends are gonna be enormous, but just don't bank on those dividends being the same every year. Um, they're also you know, spending a bit of money on the Fortescue Future Industries part of the business, which is some of these newer, modern, new age type investments that Twiggy's been undertaking. That's impacting the return on invested capital as well for Fortescue. So all those things you need to take into account. But ultimately the Fortescue price will be determined by iron ore. Many people are guessing that iron ore will be a bit weaker going forward, but again, that's really anyone's guess. But so we're not we're not in love with Fortescue at right. the moment, and, and happy to go, uh, you know, a sell because we probably think there are better parts of the market okay. at the moment. All right, uh, is Develop Group a um, a better part of the market uh, for you? This is uh, John wants a view on that. It's uh, got a couple of uh, copper zinc projects near Port Hedland, uh, Sulphur Springs, and Wind Creek. So this is another one, sort of emerging resource provider um, with people on the board and involved in the company with very good pedigree. So Bill Beaumont, who's formerly of Northern Star Resources, uh, is chairman of Develop Group. Yep. And obviously he was you know, at Northern Star from its infancy, turning into a very major gold producer and unlocking a lot of value for shareholders. You also have Chris Ellison of Mineral Resources. He's mm. one of the, the large shareholders involved in this business. But it does look very expensive for a mining company of this sort. Um, ultimately, you know, they've got a few assets, which, which look great, um, but they've got to develop those assets. And I can't help but feel that given the people involved with the company, um, investors are willing to you know, pay a premium and a higher multiple than they normally would. And that might well and truly come off and, and the people involved with the business might be able to provide a lot of insight and really help the company get over yeah. the line. But again, it's still a long, long way to go. So I think this is probably too <coughs> expensive. I'm going to go sell. Okay. Uh, Carl, those names are West Australian Resources Royalty. <laughs> they are, yeah. What do you think of Develop? Um, well, I, I can see yeah, with all of those experienced heads um, sort of involved, I can see why they've gone for a model that um, kind of reflects Minries in many ways. So there's really two parts of the business. There's the, the copper and zinc projects, as you've mentioned, the two mines. Uh, but there's also the mining services aspect of the business as well, mm. which is where the current revenues are coming from. And they've literally for three quarters now been cash flow positive. So they're, they're, they're servicing mm. uh, the Belle, Bellevue Gold Mine. Uh, and that mine is uh, ramping up into production. They get some benefits of, of that increase as well. And there's another step change coming, which is going to push that revenue along. So the company is cash flow positive. In fact, will actually make its made in profit next year, just on the basis of the mining services division alone. Oh. Uh, and then you've got the kickers coming potentially as production starts to uh, come in initially from that Woodlawn uh, project. It's, it's a mine restart. So it's a, it's, a, it's been a, 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 a 
a producing mine for 20 years and they're looking to just uh, refurbish, uh, increase the, the mineral uh, estimate, their mineral resource estimate and restart that one. And then Sulphur Springs is uh, pre-DFS stage, I think, off the top of my head. Um, but look, I like it. I think it's actually a really interesting business. I, I think, um, obviously, as the uh, the production comes in from Woodlawn, you're going to get that big step change in earnings. So it's, it's I agree it's not cheap right now. I mean, it's gonna, it's trading at 80 times next year's earnings. This year, it's going to deliver a, a, a loss. Uh, but next year, the first profit, 80 times that year's earnings. But then as um, the production from Woodlawn comes in, it's trading at only eight and a half times 2025 earnings mm-hmm. and then only seven, seven times 2026 earnings. Um, so I think there's plenty in this. The brokers have a target of 439, not my numbers, 439 price target. My price target is 403. So whether you, you follow the broker's average plus 36% or my uh, target plus 25%, I think there's something in this on the valuation. Um, so I like the business. I like the people behind it. I like the valuation. Uh, now we go to the chart. And the chart's good, but not great yet. So it's one of those, um, I'm certainly at a hold. I think you've got some money in this now. And if you don't, I don't mind adding some, uh, but I need to see it pick up before I can right. get uh, more confidence to, to to really say to confidently call this a buy. I'd be watching for a close around three fifty to three sixty. If you see it closing up there with some nice white candles, the momentum is turning around enough in the short term to confirm that long term trend, and that's where I'd be looking to get in. Okay. But I could go hold in the meantime. All right, let's recap the uh, first five stocks. Stock of the day was AGL. Um, Carl is saying, look. If you've been in it, take a third off the table. Uh, take some profits there. It's a hold from Michael Pointera. Uh, a hold from Michael and a speculative hold uh, from Carl. Can't quite get over the line with it at the moment. Uh, Pacific uh, Current, uh, we have a hold from both. Uh, Carl's saying take profits, sell a third of your holding. Michael would go a half of your holding at these levels. Uh, Patriot Battery, a hold from both. Uh, trigger points for Carl to sell would be if it gets to $1.40, to buy if it gets to $1.83. Uh, Fortescue, a sell from Michael, a hold from Carl in that iron ore sort of area. He, he prefers Rio of, of the sector, uh, but would buy Fortescue if it got around $23.50. Uh, and develop group a sell from Michael, a hold at this stage from Carl. Likes the business. If the share price on the chart gets to 350, then he'd be interested. Um, here on the call, we've been following our own fantasy fund as investment funders uh, picked by the investment committee. The very latest committee meeting um, uh, is on the platform at the moment, ausbiz.com. Uh, and that's uh, going into August. Um, Index, the committee decided, was replaced by AUB, the the, uh, insurance broking group. The committee spent on cash uh, 1% to each of Seek, Altium and ProMedica. So they've increased their holdings there and the portfolio is up 8.5%. All right, this half hour on the call, Tambaran Resources, Australian Foundation Investment, Andromeda Metals, Domain and Charter Hall. So Tambaran Investments, um, Carl, uh, Michael wants a view on that. Michael says, have owned it since shortly after listing, ridden it down. For a time I was worried the project may never get up for ESG reasons, but if anything, the investment thesis around continued demand for gas in Australia and for export is stronger now than before. 
What would you do? Buy, hold, or sell on Tambram Resources? Oh, Gas God. What are they? What? Yeah. What do they say about views and opinions, Koshi? I mean, everybody's got one, right? Um, <laughs> at the end of the day, you know, <laughs> your your view doesn't mean Whoa. anything. It's completely, it's completely meaningless. All that matters yeah. is the market's view. And the market view is going to be stimulated by great research. Let's face it. I mean, you've got Macquarie Bank. There's a bunch of smart people there. You've got Goldman Sachs, UBS, Citigroup, Bank of America. And you've got teams, teams and teams and teams of analysts, way smarter than you, me, and Michael Squared, Koshi. Yeah. You know, top 1% in their classes. They get picked out. They get paid half a million dollars in a year to do this research. And trust me, if it was any good, they would know about it, and they'd be telling their clients to buy it. Uh, so you'd have demand for the stock. Uh, but also, people, uh, their clients, some of their clients would already own it, and they tell those clients yeah. not to sell it. So you'd have oh. plenty of cash trying to get in. You'd have plenty of supply. Well, you'd have no supply because everybody owns it who will not hold it, and it would go up. And this is the opposite. There's plenty of supply out there because people don't want to own it, uh, and there's no demand because mm. people don't want to own it. Uh, so then why would I want to own it? So and I could do this very quickly. The chart looks awful. It's a sell for me. Okay. Michael? Yeah, look, it's a very large gas asset in the Northern Territory. Um, They've got these various offtake agreements with the likes of, of Shell, for instance. Um, also, people like you know Origin, AGL, Energy Australia. But none of these things are, are guaranteed or locked in. It's all dependent on whether this asset gets approval and then gets off the ground, and they can then put in the pipeline. So again, there's all these different hurdles that need to be met over time. And, and if they do meet those hurdles, it looks like there'll be customers lining up um, ready to accept their production um, but that's also a big if at the moment so yeah there's a lot of it's anyone's guess what government's going to do and whether the approvals are going to come through and whether the infrastructure dollars is going to come that way so it's very running out of cash as well michael that's it that's so, a run out of cash as well so yeah i have to go sell as well right okay all right uh that's a sort of speculative group let's go the under um the other end of the scale one of the uh oldest investment companies listed on the market. Um, Arla, Michael, what's a view on Australian Foundation Investment? Yes. When did this, this is almost the original listed investment company, isn't it? Along with Argo. Yeah, this uh, Argo, Argo was the other one, was it? And so they're basically ETFs before, you know, before their time. Before anyone knew them, yeah. So it's just different names. So a lot of older investors yeah. hold these. Um, Argo, AFI. So you look at the top holdings of something like AFI, it's pretty much the market, CBA, CSL, BHP. Um, but they do you know, have slightly different weightings to the index. So you've got things like Transurban, which are slightly higher up the list than they would be on, a, on an ASX 200 ETF. Macquarie's also a slightly bigger weight. But if you look over the long term, um, the performance essentially mirrors the market after fees. Um, so you go back over five years, basically the, the performance, including dividends and franking credits, equals the exact same as the ASX, including dividends and franking credits. On a 10-year basis, they very slightly underperform. But the whole thing is a lot of investors are attracted to this because it is a listed investment company, LIC, yep. as you say, and you do get all those franking benefits, which you don't get from a ETF being a, an, a listed trust, basically. So that's something to keep in mind. Um, Look for some broad exposure to the ASX. I'm happy to, to give it a buy if that's what you're looking for. Um, but don't expect more or less than what the market delivers over time. Right. So you'd go a buy on if it. If you want broad exposure, right. you're looking for franking credits, 
And I, I, I can understand why people would include something like this in their portfolio. It's not something we advise clients to buy because sure. we're trying to pick st- stocks that are but agnostic been- to the market sectors yeah. um, and we try and outperform. But for broad exposure, paying a good dividend, this gives and you market exposure. And they're still competitive with the more modern listed investment companies? Well, the modern, modern list, listed investment companies tend to trade at either a very large discount to NTA. Right. Um, or sometimes a very large premium, although that's becoming rarer and rarer. I think about 80% of listed investment companies trade at a discount to NTA, their net tangible yeah. assets. AFI, on the other hand, because of its long-term history, its pedigree, its low management fee, um, and given that it's just trying to mirror an index, basically, it, has, yeah. it sort of trades on NTA. Okay. Okay, so if it mirrors an index, and this was developed way before mm. ETFs came in, are ETFs, index ETFs, a better deal because generally their fees would be lower? Their fees would be slightly lower. Right. However, listed, um, sorry, ETFs, exchange traded funds, tend to be trust structures and you might not get the uh, franking in uh, all of them. Oh, so that's something to consider because some super investors who really love their yes. franking credits yeah. need to consider that. Yep. Um, it's a, it's an old traditional business, is it, Carl? And was it along with Argo? Didn't Donald Bradman said Donald Bradman start Argo, or was it a Australian oh, foundation? I think I remember years ago as a as a cub reporter, I think uh, interviewing him about it. Oh, really? Anyhow, um, what do you think of Australian Foundation? I find it a very confusing uh, company <laughs> slash listing, Koshi. It's very confusing for me. So yeah, look, I think. You, you could only consider this if you didn't have a portfolio because they own, in, in the portfolio, 9% BHP, 9% Commonwealth Bank, 7.7% CSL, 4.5% Macquarie. You get where I'm going? I mean, yeah. if you already own BHP, I mean, that's probably your portfolio anyway. So if you buy this, you're just kind of layering on top of it probably a bunch of stuff you already have. Um, so even then, I'd say it's probably more suited to somebody who'd never, who doesn't have a, a portfolio and is looking to get one and then they're really interested in roughly following the market index. Uh, and then they want uh, franking credits like Michael has suggested compared to say uh, the STW uh, ETF. I know there's lots of acronyms going on there. ETFs do uh, pay franking credits, but yeah. because it, um, list investment companies can accumulate profits over years and years. So the franking be 100% sometimes uh, what they right. pay out where ETFs, not all companies in ASX 200 have franking right. credits so to distribute. Down. Right. That's something to uh, look, apart from that, I just can't understand why it's so bad on the chart. I mean, the, the market, those stocks, I mean, they must be doing a really bloody terrible job, Koshi, to, to, for the chart to look that bad, picking that portfolio. Look, I'll put, put my hand up. If they want to pay me maybe uh, six or seven figures a year, I can do a way better job than they're doing. Um, so, look, it's a, it's a sell on the basis that I, I, I think, really, you wouldn't have to put in a lot of effort to do better than that portfolio. And then they, they say they, they're trying to give you the, the uh, you know dividend yields. They're not even giving you the market yield. 3.1% is below the market yield. This is the most confusing company I've ever seen on the call. Sell. Okay. All right. Uh, now, Tito, Carl wants a view on Andromeda Metals, uh, explorer and developer in Kaolin. I mean, people are thinking, what the hell is that? Apparently, it's used in ceramic manufacturing. And uh, I had no idea. And they've got uh, big projects in South Australia to dig this stuff up. Yes, the, 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 the mighty 
state of South Australia with its its great white project, Koshi, <laughs> probably down 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 the road from from Port Adelaide. Port Adelaide, Adelaide yeah. <laughs> the great white project. It's just I don't know. Uh, look, yes, ceramics, and uh, we have had slower economic growth since uh, the pandemic. Um, maybe that's going to pick up. Look, I've, I've probably spoken already. I've, there you go. I don't need to look at that. I don't, I've, yeah. I don't need to speak anymore. Yeah. Do I need to do it? Do I need to give you a no. rating on this? No, no, no. And and Michael, by the look of that chart, it's pretty illiquid. Yeah, very illiquid. <laughs> not trending too well. Very niche commodity. Unlikely to be a major player globally in with that commodity. Right. Basically, it's you know white clay used in a lot of porcelain, a lot of out of China as well. Right. So it's just hard to understand without doing enough research exactly where this company fits within that global supply chain network. Okay. So I'll go sell too. Sell. All right. Ooh. At, at some stage, Goshi, if it does fit, if it is not just the great white hope, but the great white, I don't know, delivering on everything, it'll, the chart will start to go up and buy it then. If it, if it trades above five, maybe it's got a hope. Until then, it looks awful. Okay. All right, uh, Michael, something a bit more mainstream. Uh, Elliot wants a view on Domain, the big real estate listing bit, uh, platform, the, uh, the biggest competitor to uh, REA. Yeah, so Domain is constantly the bridesmaid to REA. Um, trades well, it has been, the, yeah, right. trades. They can't really close the gap. Um, that sort of the advantage or the market share that REA has seems to just be constant over time. The yeah. advantage that it has over Domain. Domain does have a big, bigger presence in like Sydney, relative to other parts of the country, whereas yeah. REA tends to cover everywhere. Owned by a, a bigger shareholder is the Nine Entertainment Group. Um, oh, yeah. It's pretty good from the start of the year, though. Two fifty four to yeah. four I mean, bucks. REA has been on a similar tear. Um, you sort of had this situation that through COVID, listings were about a third above trend. They've since sort of normalised down. I think about ten percent or so. So Domain probably benefited disproportionately relative to RBA on the upswing. Then on the downswing, they probably struggled more than REA in that environment. Um, but everyone's starting to get excited again about housing prices. You've seen house prices jump, I think, 5% yep. in places like Sydney um, in the last sort of six months or so. People are talking about the peak in interest rates, potentially interest rates even coming down. So that fervor is starting to, I think, add to the sentiment for these companies. Whether or not that continues is anyone's guess. Um, but look, Domain is trading at a big valuation discount relative to REA. and. Oh compared to normal. So it always trades on a big discount, but the discount is bigger than normal. Um, so that's something to consider if you're doing sort of a pairs trade or something along those lines. But we hold realestate.com, REA in the in the fund portfolio. And a lot of our clients have held it for years. So we prefer to go with that quality name because they're able to right. have the depth pricing and the premium offering. Uh, and it tends to be the first port of call for a lot of real estate agents around the country. Okay. So not Domain, prefer REA, Correct. and domain, domain is purely local, isn't it? Whereas with REA, they've got, you know, you talked to Owen Wilson, the, uh, the MD of REA, saying the share price of REA doesn't even factor in what's happening in India, which well, that's they have right. big hopes They've of. got large investments globally, yes. um, similar to Seek in that respect, where there's enormous revenue growth coming from these overseas investments. They're not profitable or anything yet, but over time they have the capacity to be a yeah. large chunk of the business and end up dwarfing the domestic market over time yeah. if all comes off. But there's not much value attributed to those at the moment just because they are in that infancy yeah. 
and if anything, they're sucking capital away from the main business. Yeah. It does seem as though REA is, is a more tech business than Domain as well. They put Potentially, up. yeah. yeah. Um, Carl, what do you think of Domain? I like Domain. I like REA. You know, why Why fight? Why not own them both, Koshi? You know, I think <laughs> they're both... They're both good companies and they both uh, look great on the chart. They've both got quite reasonable valuations uh, and maybe property is turning the corner. It certainly seems that way. Four months of, uh, you know, four consecutive months of growth now. City property prices, what, up 7 more percent off odd, yeah. off the lows. So, you know how those Personal things start. Personal looking good too. Uh, uh, I must, I must <laughs> disclose my bias towards uh, Perth as saying I've got a daughter and son-in-law living there at the moment. But core yeah. logic did a, a direct comparison between Sydney and Perth uh, investment potential on yields and values and the whole thing and came up with Perth, I knew you'd like this uh, as a West Australian, uh, came up with Perth as the, uh, as the better opportunity. Well, here, the median house price in Australia combined is 882. I reckon in Perth, we're still in the fives. Yes. Uh, so we didn't have the last boom that you guys had on the East Coast. We completely missed it yes. because yeah. mining was in, was in a little bit of the doldrums here. But what's so interesting is mining is back on. Gosh, it is gangbusters over here. Whether, you know, I take a trip to the airport or I'm at a, a you know, a, a school, a school social uh, and people, I'm talking to people there. Uh, it, it, mining is seriously back on. And yet yeah. Perth, property prices have not moved that much. So right. I know I'm a little bit biased, um, but I, yeah, I would agree with that sentiment. Uh, but yeah, look, we talk about domain, we're talking about REA. I think they're both good. Um, I've been tweeting the hell out of these two charts. They are just amazing turnaround plays. So you know how we've talked about a few charts today that just look yep. awful, right? Uh, yep. Top left, bottom right. And I say, look, if it starts to get above a certain level, I've said it a couple of times say I might look at it. I want viewers to go and look at the charts of Domain and look at the charts of REA as great case studies for not catching the falling knife, yeah. for waiting for the right factors, uh, technical Have factors. Have you missed the boat, though? No, I don't think so. No, look, I'm, I'm happy to hold both of them. Um, I think REA's chart maybe looks a bit better than Domain's, but it's certainly holding both. And I'm just waiting for the next white candle to right. buy some more each. So it's we've had, uh, like remember we said one third, one third. We've yeah. had a few one thirds on this and we're just waiting for the next one, but a happy hold in the meantime. Okay, all right. Okay, um, still talking about property and, and great property charts. The, uh, the final stock, Danielle, wants a view on Charter Hall. Property. Ch charts in the name. Yeah, yeah charts in the name. Um, <laughs> property fund manager. Now we're not talking about an individual charter hall fund here. We're talking about charter hall, no. the fund manager, aren't we, who manages them all and clips a ticket yep. along the way. Yes, uh, well, they do, but they also um, develop, develop and then yeah. they, yes, they develop and then they, they'll, they'll hive off those developments into another trust and then earn some management fees from that. It's a great model. And I think one of the reasons why it hasn't done well in the market over the last couple of years, obviously, is, is its substantial exposure to office. Mm. But it, hey, it, it's got a wide uh, and, and and diverse portfolio as well. And look, I always place this. I've always placed this up there with one of the higher quality um, property developers, property companies on the ASX. Um, it's I used to like this and GMG, but then uh, you know after COVID, office fell away. Uh, GMG is still very, very good. And I think this will have its day again. Um, so I like the company. I like the, 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 the quality of the management. 
but I can't buy it on the chart. And that's, you know, and that's for me, that's just, the, that's my model. It's the way I work. And I won't buy it, Koshi. I mean, this could go down. This could halve in value. And if the trend is still down, I won't buy it. Yeah. I need this to start going up. For me, I needed to trade, I was going to say 12, but maybe even 12.50. I'm going to need that level of confidence. And for some viewers are going, hey, Carl, if you like it so much, why would you pay more for it? Yeah. I need, I need to see the market want, want this thing before I can get on board. I'm a momentum trader. So look, start to close above 12.50, I might get interested. Until then, I'm going to squeak in with a hold because okay. the chart looks so bad, I'd almost go a sell. Okay. Michael? Yeah, so Charter Hall, this is sort of the main company, if you like. It's the, the flagship. The flagship, the management. Yep. They've got a lot of like traditional real estate investment trusts under different names, but this um, has the management business as well as some direct property investments as well. So there's basically two parts to CHC. Um, they had the perfect conditions, lower interest rates, strong demand for property, rents were going up, um, and that and they benefited immensely. From sort of 2019 to 2022, they had huge performance fees. Um, understandably, that's moderated a lot. The whole thing is they've got very high quality tenants, about 15% of the tenants of their investment book is the government. 35% is companies like Woolworths, Coles, Bunnings, you know, Ampol, businesses like that. So 50% very high quality tenants, long-term leases. Um, long-term leases, people argue, is a negative because if interest rates fluctuate, then the value of those leases drops. So yep. that's something to be, to be careful of. But they do have about, I think, 20% of their leases indexed to inflation as well. So that offsets that interest rate risk somewhat. So look, it's a very high quality. It's well run. A well run property business. Conditions are obviously fun. less favorable than they were. Um, and because they've got exposure to some commercial assets, they're probably not getting uh, any, any love in this sort of um, recovery that we have seen in some of the property businesses. So look, at the right time, it's definitely worth looking at. But I think at the moment, there's just too much negative sentiment. I don't think there's a rush to run out and buy this. We do hold Goodman Group in the managed fund portfolio as well as for a lot of clients, and that's still our preferred property play. Okay. Uh, if you're Actually, just one. Would you hold it? One that's cool. Yes. Right. Sorry, you yeah. go. I was just going to say, one that's caught my eye in the property space is Lendlease. Um, so maybe if viewers are looking to allocate a little bit of money to that property sector or property developers, uh, Lendlease is starting to just turn that corner on the chart. Isn't, that, spot. isn't that funny? Because that has been an awful, I think, mm. Gaurav... Sodi dubbed it months ago as one of the worst run companies that he's seen on the market. But um, new management, new new boss, they've got rid of some of their uh, their problem childs. And uh, it's interesting. Market sentiment is really changing over it. Starting to go back up again. That's yeah, what I like. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. Good tip there. All right. Let's check the uh, the final five stocks. Um, Tambaran, a sell from both Michael and Carl. Australia, Australian Foundation, uh, buy from Michael if you know you basically want an index fund, a, a sell from Carl, Andromeda, a sell from Michael, uh, Carl's not interested either. Uh, Domain, Michael prefers REA. Um, Carl has a hold on Domain, but uh, he thinks the REA chart looks better as well, the major competitor of Domain, and Charter Hall, a hold from both, and uh, one out of left field on, on the charts um, in that sector, Lendlease from uh, Carl looks pretty attractive. Carl Capolinga, always great to have you on board from Thick Markets in WA. Keep well. Always always great to be on board. Thanks for having me, Koshi. Uh, Thanks, Michael, Michael Wayne from Medallion Financial, likewise.
Always a pleasure. You. Glad to be here. Uh, if you've uh, got any stocks you'd like me to put to our expert panel, go to ausbiz.co forward slash callpix or tweet us your list of suggestions on uh, Twitter using the at TV handle. Uh, more of Ausbiz coming up after this. It's The Pulse. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. 